From the brains behind Teal the Show, this is Teal the Podcast, your source for Jaguars news and analysis with NFL insider Mark Brunel and your host, Cole Pepper. We welcome you into Teal the Podcast. It is almost the quiet time. (laughs) That quiet time which comes after mandatory minicamp and before training camp, that Five and a half, six week stretch when there's no work on the field. You don't typically have a lot of things going on personnel wise. And guys are actually getting away a little bit. A glorious time in the <laughs> NFL schedule for the play, for the players and the coaches actually. What would you do by the way? Was that when you would make do your big, you know, family vacations and so forth? Yes, uh, that time of the year for us was getting to the West Coast and seeing family. Mm-hmm. So we'd make a trip out to Seattle, see my wife's family, spend a week, bring the kids out there. Now, it was excruciating because the kids were little mm-hmm, and uh, flying all the way across country. Oh. Uh, uh, we'd go out to uh, California, see my family do the same thing, kind of do a West Coast swing. Um, you know, occasionally my wife and I would get away, take a vacation for, for a few days. It was really your downtime, but um, for a lot of years, at least at least for about six or seven years, no, not, not that many, probably four or five years, we would... Uh, I would go out to San Diego and train before the season. Um, we'd go out there, and, and it was just kind of get ready for camp time. And, who would and, you uh, Who would you train with out there? Well, it wasn't. Uh, it it was. Uh, there was a. I had a personal trainer out there, but there's quite a few guys. Uh, Brian Schwartz went out there. Tony Baselli. We'd bring our families. Other guys. Uh, John Lynch would work out mm-hmm. there. A few other guys uh, around the NFL. And it was San Diego because it's just the weather's beautiful. And it's it San was Diego. beautiful. That's where the personal trainer had uh, had his uh, workouts okay. there, and, and they were um, they were pretty intense. So you'd spend the morning um, uh, working out. In the afternoons, you'd, you'd spend time with your family. Fish tacos and we'll Mission Bay. Go to the uh, yeah. go to the beach. We'd stay in Del Rey. We'd have a great time. So it was it was a lot of work in the mornings, but then a great family time in the afternoons. We did that for about five or six years. That's a pretty good way to get ready for training camp where you're not on, you're, 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 it's short bursts of intensity, right? Focused intensity. And, but you can also, when you're out there with teammates, that must've been a great bonding time. I mean, you, you and Tony and Brian were always uh, pretty close, but, yep. but uh, guys who, particularly with Tony, a guy who you relied on so much on the offense, Yes, uh, that must have been some some valuable time. for It was all. valuable time because our families are were very close, are very close, and so we bring the kids out there, and, and uh, uh, it was just it was just good right before camp. You know, you you felt going into camp that you were in shape, you were ready to go. Um, what we did, we we'd stay, you know, we'd stay a few weeks out there, and and uh, it was always physically more demanding than camp ever was. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I, I was a quarterback too, so mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I'm just dropping back and throwing the ball, and and uh, but. It uh, it gave you a lot of confidence going into camp, and that's what a lot of guys do. You know, the quarterbacks, the skill guys, they they'll uh, a lot of guys go to Arizona or, or they'll go to Southern Cal and get in some warm weather um, conditions and, and work out and just kind of fine tune everything before camp starts. How much of a factor was weather and the humidity of Jacksonville in camp for a quarterback? Because Nick Foles is going to experience this for the first time in his career coming up here in, in July and August. The first, for me, the first few days were, were, were tough, but you do get acclimated. You practice in that heat and you do get used to it. Now it's always going to be hot. It's always going to be very demanding. And, and uh, 
But you know, after a few days, you're you're in pretty good shape. You're not thinking about how hot it is. You know, uh, your body gets used to it, and you just go practice. But boy, those first few days are, are pretty tough. It's good. I'm going to be interested to see how how he does. I talked to Chris Conley, the new Jaguars wide receiver, uh, signed from Kansas City uh, this off season, and a guy who went to Georgia. But he admitted that he's having to adjust to the heat, and it's May, or it was May when I talked to him, June now. But uh, Obviously, we had a, a we've had a really hot stretch uh, there when when a lot of the OTAs were going on. But for a wide receiver guy who's supposed to be in great shape, he looks like he is. Yes, uh, that's an impact for the big guys. That's a whole different story. So we'll <laughs> see how the whole, big guys do. There's no question. And, and but at the same time, you know, in 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 our OTAs under Coach Coffin when he he was the head coach, listen, there was no hour and a half practice. Right. And that's typically what the o, OTAs have been because mm-hmm. of the conditions. Um, I mean, we were out there two hours, sometimes two and a half hours. Of course, the further you get away from it, the longer those practices. Those five-hour yeah. practices, five, Mark. Yeah, yeah, ask me next year. Yeah, there were four hours, I promise you. <laughs> but uh, um, it's good for a team because you're going to have some early games in, in Jacksonville, and you can use that to your benefit. You practice in it, and you've been through it. You can play in it. And typically, most teams come in here, they're not ready for that. So practicing in those conditions was always very good for us, whether it was in OTAs, minicamps, but especially in training camp. All right, I do. I mentioned Chris Conley. One of the positions um, that I think is going to be very interesting as training camp approaches, and maybe I said the other night on Channel 4 that if I could wave a magic wand and make one position group play better than they were going to be, the, than they did last year, I think it'd be the wide receivers because I expect the offensive line to be healthier. Yes. I expect the quarterback play to be better because of Nick Foles. You could say tight end, but it's sort of a luxury position in some regard. Right. If you can make the wide receivers play 20% better than they did a year ago, you'd have something. Um, so let's take a look at that position group here. Marquise Lee probably isn't going to be ready to go before the regular season, at least not at full speed. I right. don't think we're going to see him play in a preseason game. He may be practicing before then. Um, but I'd, I would be surprised if he would play in the preseason. DJ Chark and... Keel and Cole both need to improve from what they did last year. Uh, Chark making the step to his second year. Keelan uh, coming off a, a disappointing year that yep. may have been impacted by the fact that Marquise Lee got hurt and he got pushed right. higher up the, up the charts. Lee coming back, we mentioned. Um, Conley, we mentioned, being brought in. And D.D. Westbrook, who was really the sort of lone bright spot last year. And then the Jaguars bring in Terrell Pryor, who is really an X factor in this whole equation. How do you see the wide receivers right now? Well, I think, I mean, you nailed it. The fact that there's a quarterback, uh, an upgraded quarterback, uh, they will be 20% better. Uh, With a better quarterback, what do you get? The ball's there on time. The ball is accurate. It goes where it's supposed to go. That right there, in a nutshell, is what makes your passing game take the next level. I mean, you could have the best, you know, receivers in the NFL assembled on one team, but unless you have a guy that's going to get it there when it, you know, when it, when it uh, needs to be there, um, you know, it doesn't really matter. Uh, the, the quarterback will make all the difference in the world. And listen, this group has a chance to be good. Uh, will they be great? Uh, that might be a stretch, but staying healthy, having one of those guys emerge, um, a guy like Keelan Cole who struggled a little bit, maybe this is the year he takes a jump. Uh, maybe this is a big year for, for DJ Chark. You just need one... You know, you'd like to have all those guys, you know, really take a big step. But uh, I'm excited about Chris Conley. He's got some leadership. 
He's been with Nick uh, before. You can, you know, you watch those OTAs right now. There's always a, 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 there's already a little connection there. And and I and, and listen, Nick has been very positive about the receiving core. He likes what he what he has right now. He can work with those guys. That's the 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 benefit and the value of these OTAs and mini camps and all the training camp practices. Just time on task with those guys makes all the difference in the world. They have to stay healthy, and there has to be two or three guys that really take their game to the next level. And also with Marquise Lee, he's got to be healthy because you know if he if if he comes back, it'll only make that group better. Give me who you think will be the top three Jaguars receivers on opening day, midpoint of the season, and end of the season. <laughs> oh, this is crystal ball stuff. Crystal ball. I think uh, I think Chris Conley is going to be huge for this football team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes when you have a, an off year, you're a young player, it gets your attention. I think Keelan Cole will, because uh, he's done some very good things. He's made some great catches. Uh, I think he'll take a big step. Um, I'm 50-50 on Marquise. Uh, I just I just don't know. Coming off that type of injury for a receiver can be very difficult. And it's one thing to be healthy. It's another thing to be healthy and have had a number of practices. He hasn't had any practices. And there was obviously a lot of room for improvement there. Um, don't know a lot about uh, Terrell Pryor. Um, big guy that could, get, could make an impact. Uh, seven touchdowns in the last four years or something. Mm-hmm. Nothing... But who's to say that a guy like a, uh, and we've had it here before, Keenan McCardell, if you asked you know, this question to, to somebody before the season, they thought, ah, he'd, you know, he'd be good, you know, first year in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. he's got a young quarterback that's still trying to figure it out. But Keenan burst on the scene and had an incredible year. You know, his first year he goes to the Pro Bowl. Yep. Jimmy Smith did not, you know, that year, I don't, I don't believe. And so to have something like that happen, I think would be big. I could see that with a D.D. Westbrook. I, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Didi. I'm going to go with Chris Conley, and then uh, I'm going to go with uh, Keelan. All right. I I love the, your your thought on Conley. And yeah. again, I, he, he he's working with an advantage against Jaguars defense, a, J- a Jaguars defense that doesn't have uh, Jalen Ramsey covering him. Right. And nobody's hitting, and he's got experience with the quarterback. <laughs> right. So he's got a lot of things working for him here. But I do really think he's a pro. He's a mature guy. He's, as you mentioned, he's got some leadership capabilities. Keenan McCardell, this past week at OTAs, called Marquise Lee his big dog in the wide receivers room. That he's the guy, the veteran that everybody has looked to. I think that's difficult to maintain that if you're not out on the field. And so I think that's why it's so vital that Conley is doing what he's doing, which, which really is, right. is, is, is coming in and, and being able to provide something like that. I can see at the beginning of the year that it's, Conley, Didi, and then maybe Keelan third. Right. Maybe Chark. We'll see because he's looked good in, in some of these OTAs. By the mid-year, I think you'd see Marquise Lee maybe become that third Great guy point. if he gets a little more yeah. time in there. Great point. But by the end of the year, you want DJ Chark to be in that top three. Right. Right. Otherwise, you start looking and thinking, well, what did we do? What, are, what is this? Did, is it was this a miss on, as a draft pick? You know, he showed flashes right. as a rookie, but nothing more than that. He's got to show more than flashes in his second year. So I think at the end of the year, boy, you'd love for Conley and Didi to be one, two. But if Chark isn't three by then, even if Mar- Marquise Lee is back and healthy, I think I think you, you have to start worrying at that point, don't you? Yeah, I think you do. And, and uh, um, 
you know, there there are expectations for draft picks that are a little different than than just young guys that you know that that uh, you kind of pick up. But but uh, and the expectations are high for him. He did have some moments there. He could he could go on to be a very good one. Just in, in that position group as a whole, like we've talked about, multiple position groups on the offense. There's still some question marks there. So that will be fun to watch. A critical position, um, but having getting back to Nick, having a quarterback that has it figured out. These guys will be much this position group will be much better yeah and Keenan made that same point that uh talking about Conley and about how he's been he said listen Nick likes him Nick likes the group they've that they've right. got and when the quarterback is saying that to a wide receivers coach whether he believes it or not he say because he wants other people to believe it and so that's there's another example of example of Foles leadership yeah exactly. trying to get people's confidence and, up. and even if he didn't believe it that's what you're supposed to say. Right. So, right? so let me take it. I, I think this is a great point here. I've said it many times. Oh, I love that guy. I can't couldn't stand him. Get him off the field. I love that guy. I think there were several times that I may have asked questions about players that you responded in that way. There's no and question. And we both walked away thinking, oh, yeah, what a liar. Uh, <laughs> but I've gone into games. Those early years, like 95 and 96, when we'd have injuries or something, we'd go in with our receiving core, and I thought, we don't have a chance. We don't have a. We don't have. We don't have a chance. I think it was our. I think it was our one of our in '95. Our, our I think our away game in Cleveland that we won. I think I remember the beginning of that game thinking, "Oh, we don't got a chance." <laughs> it, you just don't know. But a quarterback does ha- take a little bit of responsibility to create a confident atmosphere, doesn't he? I mean, he's got to do that. Absolutely, and a quarterback has a responsibility to understand what his the that receiver's strengths and weaknesses are. Um, listen, maybe the guy's in the game and he's starting, but listen, he's not a down-the-field guy. You're not throwing go-routes to him, so you don't really try to force something. Mm-hmm. Um, every receiver has something that they do very well, and the real good ones can do everything real well. So if it's an in-cut, if it's a hitch route, if you run slants really well, okay, well, let's put him in those positions. Let's give him those routes so he can succeed. It's all about game planning and just identifying all right, what is this guy's strength, and, and why would we try to do anything outside of his strength? So you can be very smart about your approach with perhaps receivers that don't have experience or just aren't quite there yet in their development. Well, that's why this time of year is so valuable when you have a new quarterback yep. and a new offensive coordinator, because those guys are learning. They can be told, yeah, this guy did this well last year, this guy could do that well last year, but they may have a different eye for it. And they say, well, yeah, but you know what he really does well is this. Um, that's why it's a little disappointing that D.D. Westbrook hasn't been here for all of them. Right. Um, I don't, not, you know, again, they're voluntary. I'm not taking too much umbrage if guys are coming here for some of them, some of these OTAs. But it does bring me to this next point, which is mandatory minicamp comes up next week. And there have been a number of Jaguars veterans who have either missed some or all of the OTAs this year. If any of those guys miss mandatory minicamp, then what? Well, one, they get fined pretty heavily. Um, I think it's a, pro- it's, it's, it's a problem. Um, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a step backwards. First of all, it's a real bad look when guys aren't a part of the mandatory minicamp. And I don't know who's expected to be there, who's not, whether they're, you know, whatever their reasons are. But it's mandatory for, for a reason. I mean, the, the, uh, the teams were smart in, in, in that 
hey, if there's going to be voluntary practices, OTAs, there's got to be a mandatory element to this thing. We've got to have all these guys together. It's it's very very important, and uh, to not have that would be would, would would be difficult. The problem is too, and it's not a problem. It's a good problem to have, I guess. The salaries are so big right now, Cole, that if let's just say Leonard Fournette decides not to do mandatory minicamp, he's going to get dinged a lot. But it really doesn't make that much a difference, you know, considering he's making X amount of dollars or however. You know, it's just just kind of depends a, on how much a, you spent. Depends on how much you spend, how much he's, you know. Um, so uh, that will be very telling where this team is because it's, you really do have to have the, all the guys there. Listen, Jalen Ramsey, him not being there, it's not just about Jalen Ramsey. Don't you think Chris Conley would love to go against Jalen Ramsey? Right. And don't you think Jalen Ramsey could get D.D. and Keelan and D.J. and all these guys better just by his presence and being on the field? That sets you back. They're not going against one of the best, maybe the best corner. So... They're not challenged as much when they're going against a backup or a third-string guy. They're getting open, making plays. Great. That's wonderful. But I'm just a big fan and just having all the guys there to be at your best, the best versus the best, that's when you get better. You know, I will also say this. this the quiet time, as we mentioned, is five, five and a half weeks where trouble. Well, that's when the <laughs> trouble usually happens. But Trouble. Also, listen. I don't know anybody who would complain in this world about having a five and a half week vacation, five and a half weeks of vacation. So it just doesn't seem that unreasonable in a team environment that you would do everything you could to not only help yourself be at your best, which again, these guys, Jalen, Yannick, these other guys are working out. I'm certain they're 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 putting in the work to be physically prepared sure. for the season. You would but hope the, so. But the impact that those guys can make as veterans on the rest of the team is exponential. Calais Campbell comes to all these things. Again, and I... Yeah, you he's know, a pro's I, pro. He, he gets it. That's it. And he under, he understands that element to it. And, and you know, and there's... You know, get back to Jalen Ramsey, you know, and, and uh, or, or in any of the guys, the older guys. Listen, you don't have to take every rep. You know, the coaches, and I, I imagine Doug Marone would say this, we just want you here. Mm-hmm. We get it. We understand. We're not asking a lot. There's not tons of OTAs. Right. There's not a lot of practices. We really would just like you here. Maybe you do a little individual. Maybe some seven on seven. Hey, listen, if you want to be kept out of team because it's a little rough, a little physical, we get it. We'll hold you back. You know, we listen, we want you healthy going into this season. Of course. Yeah. It's just those guys' presence, Jalen's presence. Uh, Leonard's presence are it's very very important now Jalen and, and Leonard are in different categories Leonard needs to practice mm-hmm. he just needs to practice um, so anyway uh, unique um, wouldn't hurt him to practice you know and it wouldn't hurt Jalen too but but uh, if, if if you're one of those guys saying you know Jalen's not here why well, don't I have to be here well you're in a different category right there you are know? there are Jordan rules yeah, so there are you're in a different category but yeah, no doubt about it well you mentioned fournette and our friend Hayes Carline uh, at 1010XL, uh, wrote a column here this week, basically saying that the Jaguars should ride Leonard Fournette as hard as they possibly can because he ain't going to be here after his con- you know when his second contract rolls around. Um, I tend to think that you should run a guy as much as you can, as much as you need to, because they're running backs, they're a, they're available, and their lifespan is short. So. It's rare to find a Curtis Martin or somebody who's going to right. play for 13 years. Um, does that did that hit home with you? Did that uh, land you know, as far as you're, you're concerned? 
I, I mean, it resonated with me a little bit, but if Leonard Fournette's your, your best running back, even if he's a knucklehead, all right, even if he didn't do all the OTAs or he's missed some treatment or he's gotten into a little bit of trouble and perhaps he's, you know, off the field issues, if he's your best running back, you still have to be very smart with him. You don't run him 30 times a game, 16 games. You just don't do it because you need, you need him to last the whole mm-hmm. season. If he's your best guy, you have to be very smart. Um, so I, I get the premise of it, but at the same time, listen, this, this is about winning. And Leonard Fournette going into this season, this is a very important year for him. If he goes on, here's the problem with Leonard Fournette, and I do agree with Hayes on this one. If Leonard Fournette goes out there and he has a Pro Bowl year, you know what? He's probably not going to be at OTAs at all next year. Right. He's probably going to miss the minicamp because that's probably just going to be Leonard. He probably figured like he thought after his first year, you know what, I got this thing figured out. All right. So that is probably just going to be Leonard. That's who Leonard is. Mm-hmm. But if he goes out and has a great year, all right, you can expect the same kind of thing. But but you still have to be smart with him. And if he's your best guy, put him out there. It does, like I said, it doesn't mean you ride him like a mule and wear him out. You've got to win football games with them. And and listen, that's part of the business these days. You're gonna have knuckleheads, and you're gonna have to manage those guys. There's a premise in running, in distance running. There's a book out called "Run the Mile You're In," and this is for people who run long distances, and you know probably more than 5Ks like I tend to run. You know, talk about half, half marathons, marathoners, ultra marathoners. Run the mile you're in. And the premise is just, and this is, to, you know, you can find other analogies to this in other arenas, but you can only run the steps that you're taking right now. So if you're thinking about this and you segment it down to a mile, then just worry about what happens in this mile. Then when the next mile gets there, right. run that mile. Yeah. It's, I think it's the same way with, with running backs in the NFL. Don't worry about the future. Figure out what Leonard Fournette can do to help you win games right now. Whatever that is. If that's running him 30 times, run him 30 times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you want to tell the mile this year or the mile this week, but you know, segment it whatever you need to because I don't see if the Jaguars do well, and that will mean that Nick Foles will have done well, they're going to move more to a passing attack Agreed. as time moves on. Running back is going to become less important on this team. And you can have a bunch of guys at TJ Yeldon's level, second round picks, or right. Corey Grant's, or whatever else, um, to do that. And I, I think part of, I think we sort of saw that this offseason with the, guy, the guys the Jaguars brought in, like Alfred Blue and the drafting Rockwell Armstead. And you're trying to find some of these guys, Thomas Rawls, who are sort of journeymen in the NFL or sure. guys who are later round picks in, in, in the draft where you can kind of run the ball by committee in some regards. When your quarterback plays at that high level, you can do that. Tom Brady, of course, the ultimate example of that, but there right. have been others you know, through the years, Aaron Rodgers and others. So we'll see how that all plays out. I, um, I, I would not expect that Leonard Fournette is going to be a guy who's going to play 10 years for this team, or maybe for any team. You know, I, right now I would agree with that. I absolutely would. It's a crazy business, and I also will say that the great running backs – uh, of this game, the ones that have lasted a long time, their approach was exactly what you were talking about. I'm going to be the best that I can be this year. I'm going to give it everything I got. I'm going to be a professional, and I, I don't care about Pro Bowls or yards. I, I just want to help our team win and be the best that I can be. Next year, let's worry about next year. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm going to be the best. Those are the guys that seem to stick around for a long time and have 
excellent careers. Yeah, that sounds like a Jerome Bettis kind yes. of uh, conversation. Yep. A lot of those guys. Eddie George, a lot of those guys did that, those yep. things uh, uh, through the years. All right, that'll do it for this installment of Teal the Podcast. Remember, you can subscribe on Apple Podcast. iTunes is now dead, or going to be dead. See ya. Uh, uh, Apple Podcast on Stitcher, on Google Play, and on Spotify. And as always, you can find Teal the Podcast under the Sports tab on newsforjacks.com. For Mark Brunell, I'm Cole Pepper. Thanks so much for listening to Teal the Podcast. Have a great one.